Hello and welcome to Truth Talks, brought to you by South African author, theologian and church leader, Dr. Christopher Pepler. Hello again everybody. The topic for today's Truth Talk is what happened after the resurrection. You know, every year Christians seem to pay a lot of attention to what happened before Easter. But what happened after the resurrection? Is that not also important? The older denominations observe a season called Lent. That's the Anglican denomination, Methodists, Lutherans, and the Roman Catholics as well, and a couple of others. Starting from what they call Ash Wednesday, they observe a 40-day season that incorporates the Annunciation, Palm Sunday, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday. But what is not generally observed by those churches, or any others for that matter, is the 40-day period after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, when he appeared to select people. In this talk, I want to focus on what he said to some of these people, how he acted towards them, and I don't want to concentrate on doctrinal aspects of this, but I want to look at the motives and the emotions displayed. The first person that Jesus appeared to was Mary Magdalene, and she had the first interaction with him. It was early in the morning of Sunday, and she was distraught, not only because just before, just a couple of days before, she had witnessed Jesus dying on the cross, but because when she went to the tomb to embalm his body, it was empty. And so she was very, very upset. And then suddenly she became aware of somebody standing behind her. But she thought it was the gardener. Well, reasonable, because it's a, a garden area there. And he asked her why she was crying, and, and who was she looking for? And she, she asked him, where have you taken the body of my Lord? And he replied with just one word, Mary. Now, perhaps it was because... He knew her name that enabled her to recognize who he was through the, the tears streaming down her face. You know, who else would, would know her name? Certainly not a gardener. But perhaps it was the tender tone, perhaps a combination of the two. And I've actually seen in, in my own life how this plays out. Let me give you the example of, of what happened quite a long time ago. I and my family were living in Johannesburg, and my parents, very elderly and frail at that stage, were living in the Cape. And I had to fly down to the Cape to conduct a wedding. But I knew they were going to be at that wedding. I knew they would be taken, and they'd be sitting in the, the congregation. And I didn't want them to know I was coming and conducting the service, because I wanted to surprise them. When I arrived in my little rented car from the airport, I pulled into the parking area, and they just... 20, 30 yards off, I saw my father being helped out of a car. They had just arrived. So I walked up, and he was looking the other way at the stage and focusing on getting out of the car properly. And I can't remember exactly what I said to him, but it was probably something like, Hello there. And he turned and looked me straight in the face and said, And who might you be, young man? <laughs> I was a young man, relatively speaking, at that stage. I said, it's me, Dad, Christopher. It was only when I spoke and gave my name that he 
his eyes and his brain and his ears all came into line and he recognized his son whom he wasn't expecting to see. So these things can definitely happen. Now, when Jesus appeared to Mary, he told her to go and tell his disciples that he was only going to be present with them for a short while. And after that, he would return to his father. But what is particularly significant is that Jesus chose to reveal himself for the first time in his resurrected form to Mary, before even revealing himself to John, the, the beloved disciple, or to Peter, the future leader of his church. Now, by doing this, he indicated a special love for her. But, but even more, he was affirming her status among his disciples. You see, in those days, women were regarded as inferior and they were not to be taken seriously. They had no say in almost anything. But Jesus thought otherwise. And by appearing to her and giving her the message to go and tell his disciples what he had said, he was affirming her equality in their eyes and her worth. In the evening of the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples. And it records that it was sometime between dawn and dusk. We don't quite know when that occurred. But we do know that he first met with Peter. We don't know what he said to Peter, because it's not recorded in the Gospels. But it must have been a private meeting just between the two of them. Now, I wonder, how do you think Peter would have been feeling at that time? Well, he had betrayed the Lord. He had fled. And as a result of fleeing, he had not been there when Jesus had died on the cross. He had not been there when his friend and his Lord and his Master needed him. He must have been feeling devastated, ashamed, desperately sad, and utterly worthless. But Jesus chose to appear to him before meeting with the other disciples. What a comfort this must have been to Simon Peter. He met with Mary early in the morning. He met with his disciples after supper, around about that time. But he met sometime between the two, one-on-one, -on -one, with Peter. Now, sometime during the course of Resurrection Sunday as well, he also met with two disciples, two men who were journeying from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Now, they were not part of the group of twelve, we know that, but the scriptures do not even give us their names. They were nameless men. Yet Jesus chose to walk with them and to give them a Bible study unlike any other ever received from Jesus. Luke 24, 27 says, He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. What a privilege. What, I think, made them special? Well, I asked the question, what made them special? Answer, probably nothing at all. They were nameless, ordinary folk. But Jesus chose to favor them, these two ordinary, nameless men. Then, as I mentioned, that evening of Resurrection Sunday, while the two from the encounter on the road to Emmaus, who had hurried back to Jerusalem, were actually telling the disciples in the upper room what had happened and how excited they were, Jesus suddenly appeared. The room, the room was locked because they were scared of being arrested. There was no way of getting in, yet suddenly, right there, in their midst, he appeared. <laughs> they were startled. No wonder they were startled. But, you know, I, I want to skip this episode 
to the next time that he met with his disciples. Because on that first Sunday night, James was missing from the group. And John 20 verses 26 to 28 record how Jesus returned a week later to appear again to his band of disciples. A whole week passed before he appeared again. But this time, Thomas was there with the other disciples. Now, why did Jesus do this? Why did he wait until Thomas was present and then come and visit them again? Now, the only answer which appears to be reasonably obvious from the Gospels, the only details given, in fact, is that Thomas had doubted that Jesus had truly risen from the dead. He doubted that it was Jesus who had appeared to the others. He thought it was all a big made-up story. When Jesus appears, notice this, he does not scold or criticize Thomas, but instead he provides him with solid physical evidence. You know, for me, Thomas stands in Scripture not so much as the famous Doubting Thomas, but as Blessed Thomas, a man who received abundant grace and compassion from the Saviour. Then John 21 and Matthew 28 and 1 Corinthians 15 record, or at least mention, two other appearances by the risen Lord. He, he met his disciples at the Sea of Galilee, we know that. And there we know that he re-established Peter as leader of the church. He confronted him again. He, he reinstated him. He forgave him. And we also know that at another time he met with James, who was later to play a really key role in the church as well. And then the only other detail is that he also appeared at around about that time to a group of about 500 people. Jesus' last appearance to his disciples was on Mount Olivet, the Mount of Olives. And there he blessed them, and in front of their eyes ascended bodily back into heaven. Now, we're told that this happened on the Bethany side of the Mount of Olives. You have that detail in Luke 24, verses 50 to 53. So, it was probably on, or very near the spot, where he had earlier stood and grieved over Jerusalem. You know that wonderful passage in Matthew 23, 37, where he stretches his arms over Jerusalem and mourns over, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you had only come to me, I wanted to gather you under my wings as a hen does a chicks, but you would not have it. Now, what do we know about the little village of Bethany, near the spot where the ascension place? Well, from Scripture we know this. It was the home of his very dear friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. That's the man he raised from the dead. We also know that Jesus located that home of theirs as his home base in the last days before his crucifixion. He went from there up to Jerusalem and back and overnighted with them. Since leaving Nazareth to start his public ministry, this home must have been the nearest thing to a physical home on earth that Jesus experienced. So upon this hill overlooking this home was the place that Jesus chose to return to his eternal home in heaven, to his Father's home. As he ascended up in the air before his disciples, his eyes must have looked out at the home of his dear friends. Now, I'm talking to you right now as I record this in extraordinary times. The coronavirus pandemic is sweeping the world still. 
And like millions of other people, I'm under lockdown, and because of my age, will probably be under lockdown for a considerable period of time. But we're fine. But things are growing desperate for many, as food runs out for so many of the poor. And untold scores of people from all over society have lost their jobs. Uh, some businesses will never return. They will just be going straight into bankruptcy. Many, many, many people have no income to buy bread for their tables. And most people are anxious and even afraid. And so many are just lonely. So at times like this, it's really comforting to consider how Jesus treated ordinary folks like us. Just think of it. He comforted and affirmed his friend Mary. He restored Peter's dignity and purpose. He poured out his grace and knowledge upon two unnamed disciples. He assured Thomas. He blessed his followers. And the last thing that he probably saw as he ascended back to heaven was the home of his friends. Now, would he, this Jesus, this resurrected Lord, who is as much living today as he was then, would he not reach out to each of us, us equally ordinary people, in our time of confusion and disquiet and distress and fear and loneliness? Would he not reach out to us? Yes, he would. Yes, he does. At times like this, we need to look to him as our comforter, as the one who affirms us, as the one who comes alongside us in the blessed and wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit, as the one who gives us hope and makes sense of our conditions. May God richly bless you all. May your eyes be open to Jesus during this time of international crisis. Thank you for listening to Truth Talks from Truth is the Word Ministry. If you'd like to share your views, read up on related topics, or purchase one of Dr. Pepler's books, please visit his blog on truthistheword.com. And remember, truth is the word.